at your service. It's the Home Improvement Show, presented by Mosby Building Arts. To ask a question, call 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. Now, the host of the Home Improvement Show, Rich Horace, on 97.1 FM Talk. Okay, uh, I am sitting in for Rich Orris, a new grandfather, so please congratulate him next week. Um, I think uh, uh, life was a little rough on him in the last couple of days in his first few days as grandparent. My name is Scott Mosby, and this is the KMOX Home Improvement Show, the KFTK Home Improvement Show. For those of you listening simulcast on KFTK, welcome. Um, I, I, I hope I live up to Rich Orris's, uh, uh previous example, and I've been on KMOX for a while. Uh, I've recently retired. Rich is now taking both shows, and I am honored to fill in for for him and this was pretty much how rich had uh, imagined the show that uh, when life uh, happened to he and his family i could fill in for him and come say hello to the kftk KMOX listeners uh, scott mosby home improvement you can call here we've got phone lines uh 314-436-7900 lots of things happening the weather is going to continue being cold for the next couple of days. We do have rain coming next week. So for those of you that have ice on the ground or snow on the ground, uh, it will continue. Uh, for those of you that got it up, that were able to scrape and, and snow shovel early, that's a really good thing. Um, and now any kind of ice melt is a wise thing. Better to put it down before the snow, before the ice. But the reality is here next week we're going to get precipitation in water form in rain form and the ground is just going to be too cold so as soon as that water hits your driveway your sidewalk your front porch whatever it is it's going to turn into ice uh, and it if for those of you uh, the high temperatures in the afternoon are going to be in the low 30s so it may not happen until dusk once the sun gets off the air uh, just be aware that we've got some interesting times ahead of us here for the next half week right here in st louis my name's Scott Mosby. I own Mosby Building Arts. I've worked with Rich Orris for 20 years. Uh, he's one of the smartest people I know and uh, very happy to fill in for him. Congratulations to he and his family. Uh, let's get started and uh, talk with Stuart and see what's cooking. Hey, Stuart. Good afternoon. Welcome to lunch on X. How can I help? Hey, Scott. Uh, this is Stuart. A uh, uh, pleasure and an honor to speak with you, sir. Thank you. Um, I have a garage floor that has settled. Uh, over over time, and what happens is when it rains or the uh, snow in the cars melts, it pools in front of the entry door into the house. Mm, yeah. um, so I didn't, you know, I just was curious for your opinion. Would it be better to try and have it, you know, mud jacked, or would you try and put a drain in of some sort, or would you just go ahead and try and replace it? Well, uh, number one. Once it starts cracking, you can't really mud jack it anymore because you're trying to blow up a balloon that has cracks in it. So, you know, the mud jacking yeah. is a pressure-lifted thing, really a kind of a neat thing. But it does uh, require kind of a sealed slab that is solid that it, to lift it properly. Um, so I think you're replacing this slab. That being said here, Stuart, also be aware that during times like this, 
when the snow melts off the car, even with a brand new floor, it will slope toward the garage door, and the bottom of that garage door is just as cold as it can be. So as soon as that liquid snow hits that garage door, sometimes we have problems with garage doors freezing to the floor. Um, so for those of you that are listening, um, uh, lift up your garage door, dry it off, wipe it with WD-40 or a similar type material because the snow and the ice don't stick to that, but it can literally freeze your door shut. So the point about the ice building up there at your garage door, uh, even when things are perfect, you're still going to have that kind of situation. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And you'd, you'd probably do the the new floors opposed to trying to uh, have a drain, like a, you know, like a uh, slit drain or something like that put in? Yeah, that, the, the issue on driveways, building code-wise, is if you put a drain in, first off, you pretty much have to lift, you have to remove the slab to properly put the drain in. So then you have to put a drain and a pipe and drain it to somewhere. Well, the way the building code interprets that is you could have ice uh, down there, water, salt, oil, gasoline, flammables. So they consider a floor drain in a garage to be a bomb. <laughs> so <laughs> putting a drain in a garage sounds like a good idea until you start thinking it through. It's like, well, how will the municipality feel if I start liquid firebombing the front street coming out of my garage if I have a leak in my well, gas? They don't yeah. like that. I don't think I want to bomb in my garage either. So. <laughs> there, there you go. Okay. So you're, you're better off. Simple is better. Slope the you know the floor to the garage door, and then put a little bit of WD-40 on the bottom of that door so it doesn't quite stick to anything. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your help. All right, thanks, Stuart. Take care. Good luck okay. through all of this too. Yeah. All right. Bye. All right. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KFTK, and KMOX. Next up, let's talk with my buddy Dale. Hey, Dale, good afternoon. Welcome to lunchtime here. How can I help you? Yes, I have a question on these MERV, M-E-R-V filters, the rating on the furnace filters. Yes. Like 9, 11, 13, higher yeah. the number, the better the filter and so forth. Yeah. Uh, what is a typical household uh, rating of MERV? What do they generally use in a house, typical house? Well, uh, more is not always better. Uh, because it, it's basically um, a filter fabric that you're holding in front of your mouth. The more filtration it is, the more thoroughly it blocks the air passage. So you're back pressuring or limiting the circulation in your house. So I like MERV filters, 7, 8, maybe 9. You get up 11 and 13, you better have one big honking motor fan to drive the circulation and most furnaces are just not made for those so beware especially this time of year when you need a lot of air and a lot of heat moving through that house you know you're better off with a seven merv um, because that means it's got bigger so the lower the number the bigger the holes are in the fabric you get up around the tens and elevens and twelves first off they get really pricey they block the air circulation in your house. They do catch all the particulate, but since you're not blowing a whole lot of air through it anyway because it's a it's a blocking, you know, you're you're really not filtering the air. So I'm I'm I like sevens, you know, eights, something like that, and higher than that you're you're uh you're you're actually paying money for diminished performance. Yeah, okay. That 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 that's part of my second question, how much it kind of chokes up the filter, the higher the rating, and yes, it, it would limit the air. But, you know, I, I have a, uh, I had an electronic filter, 
Mm-hmm. I, I'm not impressed with electronic filters. That's my personal feeling anyway. Uh, and I took it out and put in one of those four-inch yeah. regular filters. Pleats. And it, yeah. like a, it, it does a good job, I guess. It, I just wondered if if you go with a four-inch filter, would maybe a, a higher reading be more permissible as far as not choking it up? That, that well, the... Thing. The idea with those accordion filters, those three and four inch uh, cartridges, uh, they have so much filter area that you're trying to move the same amount of air through, say, six square feet of, feet of filter media instead of three square feet of filter media. So we had electronic uh, filters years ago. They were the greatest thing since sliced bread. Then they required all kinds of maintenance. They were noisy. They popped and crackled. Parts were, you know, getting maintenance on. It was expensive. And then we just realized, you know, if we just do a better job with more filter media, and that's where those accordion filters are, they're kind of the latest and greatest now. And unless you get into a medical challenge, you know, then we're, we can talk about those higher numbers. But, you know, you need the equipment to drive stuff through that filter media. So I love exactly what you have. Those accordion four-inch filters are the cat's or the bee's knees, as they say. How's that? Yep, All I right. agree 100 percent. Hundred percent, I agree, hundred percent with that. Because my experience, my furnace blower motor was very dirty after a few years with electronic filter. I said it's not doing the job, so I yeah. replaced it with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's now it's clean, stays clean. So I was to the <laughs> aircraft too. <laughs> so That's okay, what... you answered a lot. Of, you answered the question very well. All right, thanks, Dale. Take care. Thank you. All right. Home improvement, Scott Mosby. Again, uh, you're in in these questions. It just fascinates me how um, so many you you can kind of follow the history of our uh, construction industry, remodeling industry, as we all get smarter together because we we have a great idea. It's like build the house really tight. Sounds good, you know. Except the air hanging inside St. Louis in the summertime is seventy percent full of water in humidity form. You know, then you get to the winter like this, and well, it's let more filter is better. Eh, maybe not. Maybe we want a lot of heat circulating through the house. Anyway, three one four four three six seven nine hundred. Scott Mosby at your service here on KFTK and KMOX. It's an honor to be here. I'll be right back. It's the Home Improvement Show presented by Mosby Building Arts on KMOX. Now, once again, Rich Orris. And Scott Mosby broadcasting on this chilly Saturday afternoon. It is brisk and the wind is blowing a little bit and it's not going to get too much warmer here, folks. Uh, High temperature today still well below freezing. Uh, This is 97.1 FM Talk and KMOX Scott Mosby Broadcasting as pinch hit in reserve for Rich Orris, who is indisposed with a new grandbaby. Let's go right to the phone lines now and let's uh, see what's happening with Donald. Hey, Donald, good afternoon. Welcome. How can I help today? Hello, Donald, are you there? Am I? Oh, did I get the right button? How about, let's try Rick. Hey, Rick, Scott Mosby yep. here. How can I help you? Hi, Scott. Um, uh, yeah. I've talked to you before. We competed through the years. I just want to call and congratulate you, you know. Uh, Thank it's, you. Uh, you've done a great job. And, uh, and uh, it'll, just when you think you know everything, uh, I always learn something from you after 50 years of doing this. I don't know how you cram it all in that head. There's a lot. <laughs> Jeez. Well, thank you. Know, you. From the... From foundation to roof, there is just a lot, and with technology changing, um, I was going to tell you. I don't even think you know of something's brand new on the market. It's yeah. called a toilet transporter bag, and you can actually put roll to the floor, put a full size toilet in it, 
squat down, put the padded straps over your shoulder, walk right out of a house in three minutes. You don't have to disassemble the toilet or anything. They just came wow. out. They're amazing for us. You know? Wow. Wow. Yeah. I wish we had them 50 years ago. <laughs> you know, they're hugging those darn things, trying to go downstairs. You know, it was terrible. Well, that's when men were men, Rick. <laughs> yeah, and so. and there were broken men too. <laughs> I guess trying, yeah, trying to cram them in trash bags and all that stuff. Well, best of luck to you. You know, all right. uh, like I said, it's been great listening to you. Thanks, Rick. I'll look up all the right. toilet transporter. Sounds like a pretty yeah, slick yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be a, so simple. You know, thanks a lot. All right, take care. Bye bye. Take bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. We are live and lively. 97.1 FM Talk, KMOX Simulcast. Next up, let's see what's cooking with Nate. Hey, Nate, Scott Mosby here. What can I do for you this fine afternoon? Hi, Scott. I'm glad I got through so quickly. Um, I've got a very unique problem, and I just wanted to see, uh, get your thoughts on it. I've had several uh, you know, guys with construction backgrounds look at it, and they're saying they've never seen anything like it. So back mm-hmm. in October, we had our roof replaced from a hailstorm, and uh, – Apparently, they bumped the stack that is the exhaust for my furnace, and they, yes. they bumped it pretty hard, and it disconnected inside my attic. Oh, so man. we didn't know that, and so since October, it's been blowing carbon monoxide in, in my attic. Yeah. Um, so when this freeze hit, we started seeing moisture drops on the third floor you know, ceiling, and so popping our heads up there what we saw was basically a winter wonderland it was it was thick dense wet fog and icicles hanging from trusses um every square inch of roofing material had a thin layer of ice on it and so obviously we plugged we we reconnected the i could see it instantly the the where the furnace had disconnected from the stack yeah so we reconnected that and solved the problem but now obviously that's gonna it's melting and uh the first warm day it, it all pretty much melted we broke off the big icicles that's mm-hmm. what was causing them you know the dampness on the drywall but my fear is so you know we can't put any blowers up there it's too cold we can't put dehumidifiers up there it's too cold um it's just a waiting game to see how bad the melt is <laughs> so i didn't you know i don't know if mold could form up there because there's good ventilation you know with um, the vents and the the fascia and soffit and all that but just wanted to yeah. see what you thought that was going to look like mold wise or what the future ramifications could be well, we have seen this once before, and uh, Rich Orris has seen it. We've seen uh, snowstorms in attics, and I know exactly. And we uh, actually, um, we have had this experience, and we stopped by trying for a, an appointment with a lady, and the lady was in the hospital from carbon monoxide poisoning. So if you're not in the hospital, your attic is well ventilated. So you're actually in a good place. I don't fear you know, this time of year, if this were summertime, you would have mold because all, you know, you can't dry it out fast enough. A lot of that moisture is going to leave of its own accord just on ventilating by changing that air, you know, because humidity moves from high to low concentration and, you know, the outside's still drier than the inside. So uh, I don't think you're going to have any real problems. If you do, it will be in the form of discoloration. So you'll see dark something, uh, if if you're going to have latent moisture that is just there for too long, then you will grow moist. You grow, will grow mold and mildew, but that's going to come with a color. 
So I think as long as you can see most of the attic, most of the roof sheathing, most of the trusses, most of the insulation, and and don't mistake this for dust on the insulation because the insulation on, you know, blown or bat laying on the floor of an attic still gets covered with dust and it gets dark and it gets black. So that's not cause for the concern. I think you're in pretty good stead, frankly, because it's just so blasted cold. Right. (laughs) So nothing I should do with the blown insulation. It, it's you know it's getting wet right now. It's all leaking and dripping on there. But it seems like it's about an inch deep versus you know the foot of insulation. So I feel like yeah. it's going to dry out, all right? But yeah, it's going to stay in the top top part of that insulation. And and keep in mind, the further down it gets, the warmer it gets, and the more prone to evaporation it is. So uh, I I think you know if, if you have a downside consequence to this. You may need to add a little more insulation in the attic as it mats down from the weight of that moisture. Yeah. So you're compressing out the air pack pockets that do the insulating part of, of that fiber or whatever that insulation is. So I think oh, it's good. more just watch that. But, you know, if, if you're not dead or in the hospital, your attic's pretty nicely ventilated. Yeah, we, we were, I didn't realize it was carbon monoxide till a couple of days ago. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we could have all, you know, we could have died, I guess, if it had gotten that bad. But. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were definitely fortunate. Yeah, we had a lady who had wanted a new front door. We could never get a hold of her. Lo and behold, found out that that's exactly what had happened. She'd had a roofer in four months earlier, and you know she was in her upper 80s. You know, and lo and behold, I think a neighbor talked to Rich. You know, what are you doing snooping around the house so many times? And he told wow. him, and he said, oh, she's in the hospital. And, you know, Goodness. he went up in the attic, and sure enough, uh, pretty much, you know, reconnected it so she could come home. <laughs> Okay. Well, Scott, I, su- I certainly appreciate the feedback. It's been concerning, so I'm just trying to get as much uh, many opinions as I can on kind of what we're looking yeah. at. If this were July, I'd have a totally different answer for you because then you don't have dry air outside the house. You have wet air in oh. the attic and wet air outside the house. That that attic would remain wet for quite a long time. Okay. Well, I'll keep an eye on it, and um, yeah. it's great to hear your opinion on it. Yep, yep. Keep yeah. Don't go to sleep. Keep keep uh, keep an eye on it for sure, Nate. But uh, as long you'll know, you, you know you'll yep. you'll smell it, you'll see it, and you know when that humidity. Le- I mean, you can feel that humidity up in that attic. I'm pretty sure you get you stick your head up in there. I'm sure you can feel it. There was a so. dense fog. It was a, it was the strangest thing I I've seen. Wow. It was yeah. <laughs> it was really bizarre. You had a nice little terrarium going on up there. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad we caught it. Uh, thank God for the drips on the on the ceiling because we would have never known. Wow, wow, wow! Amen to that. Well, I'm glad to hear you're up and up and about. Thanks, Nate. Yep, I got five kids and we're all doing well. So uh, thank God we didn't. We were very fortunate with that. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, take thank care. You, sir. Thank you. All righty. Bye bye. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Uh, let's take a short pause and come back for more right after this on KMOX 97.1 FM Talk. The Voice of St. Louis, News Radio 1120, KMOX. Welcome back. Scott Mosby here, Home Improvement. Phone lines wide open for you. Welcome. Thank you. And glad to be here. 314 436 7900. 314. Four three six seven nine hundred. Good to talk to you. Good to be back. And uh, chilly. Yeah. Uh, next up, let's talk to Victor. Hey, Victor. Good afternoon. Welcome. How can I help you this fine day? Uh, I had a skylight installed this past summer. It's roughly maybe two feet by four feet. Okay. And framing it in, going from the kitchen ceiling up to the roof, 
I'm going to yeah. say at the highest point is maybe four feet, and the shortest might be maybe four. But okay. the draft that comes through there is unbelievable. Is that normal? Uh, skylight? No, it's not. If uh, if you're if there's a leak, uh, that's a little bit unusual. But skylights, as they connect to the actual roof of the house, uh, they can be. It's not necessarily airtight. So that's one thing, Victor. You may have a draft, but the other thing is that is more common, especially with temperatures like this. You may simply feel the cold air falling out of that uh, skylight tube, if you will, because you have a piece of glass. It's really cold. When you're standing next to a window, that cold air drops and falls down by your feet. So unless you have bare feet, you're not going to feel it. But standing underneath a skylight tube, uh, even if it's pretty well sealed up, you may indeed um, feel that um, convection, that cool air being cooled by that glass and then falling down on you. That's that's probably what's happening there. Okay. okay. It feels like somebody's up there with a fan. I was wondering if it had been properly installed because I had to argue with the guy to even insulate it up there. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yes, well, that, yes. that's not a trust builder for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to use them anymore. And then my second question, can smoke detectors go bad? I've replaced the batteries, brand new, but I'm still getting that chirp. Oh, I promise you they do go bad. Um, and you may have a bad battery, but frankly, the life on smoke detectors, Victor, and thank you for bringing this up, they have a life of about five years uh, because that media, the thing that senses smoke and that particulate and then makes that chirp and that beep, um, that stuff really um, has a life and it, you know, it, 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 it wears out. It's a big deal. So you, you betcha that it's time to change uh, all of your uh, smoke detectors most likely. Okay, because they're 20 years old. Oh, my goodness, yes, sir. Please do that. Um, yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, let me put it this way, you know, for $25 a piece and your life on the line, you know, it's a pretty good risk-return deal. <laughs> yes, sir, it's, I would say it is. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. <laughs> all right, Victor, you, t- you take stay warm and stay safe. I will. Happy retirement. Thank you. Th- thank you so much. By now, there, yeah, that's true. As we get into uh, um, New Year's Eve and uh, the new batteries, if you didn't uh, change all the batteries in your smoke detectors, typically I run around the house on New Year's Day. On that morning, it usually takes me a couple days to kind of get my act together. But you know, I change all the batteries and I check them out to make sure that they're good. But the first place I start is smoke detectors. And Victor, what you'll discover is because so many of us don't change those batteries on our smoke detectors, uh, you'll find that many of the new ones have backup built-in batteries that don't need to be changed. So your battery will wear out about the same time as the smoke detector safety media will as well. Uh, So, you know, that's important. Uh, Let's see what's happening with my friend uh, Mark. Hey, Mark, good afternoon. Welcome. How can I help you this fine day? Well, hi. Thank you uh, for taking my call. Uh, my question uh, is, uh, 
about bathroom sinks. We had a sink uh, that, you know, wasn't used maybe for days, and there was just a really foul-smelling odor from the bathroom, and the bathroom hadn't been used. I ended up, drain was going slow, so I took off the, you know, the underneath piping and the P-trap and things, and there was just all this black gunk that was in the piping. It was was horribly offensive, and uh, yeah. So I cleaned all that out with chlorine and, and rinsed it and put it all back together, and that, that took care of the, the drainage problem. But uh, um, I've heard you speak about using Ridex, even though we're not on a septic system. And uh, I was wondering if you if, – if uh, I was told correctly that periodically you should use Ridex in your sinks, and what does that do? Uh, Ridex, so it, Metropolitan Sewer District, MSD, or a septic tank has bacteria that breaks down organic waste. Well, all that stuff stuck to the inside of your P-trap is wax from bar soap, wax from shampoo and soap. It's oil from the bodies, uh, toothpaste. So it is all kinds of organic stuff, goo. And Ridex is nothing more than a bacteria that makes... Uh, it, it's actually a um, makes the bacteria more aggressive, and it breaks down that organic waste faster. And it's uh, a good use for uh, cutting down those odors. But it basically cleans up that black gook. The only stuff it can't really handle is the hair that goes down those traps and drains. Keep in mind here too uh, that you know, Mark, you're going to have that on your pee trap, on your showers, and your bathtub, and all the other sinks in the house. Uh, but I like the uh, the Ridex. Just mix it up. I like the the granular form. I just put a tablespoon and a big 15, 16 ounce glass of warm water, mix it up like chocolate milk, dump it down the toilet, flush it once, leave it alone. And I'll go through the various sinks and might put half of one of those glasses in a P-trap on each. And I'll put, you know, going down the shower because there's a lot of use for those. I'll put a whole glass of that. But yeah, I like the Ridex because it's kind of a, uh, it just rejuvenates the bacteria to eat more and grow faster. So that's all it does is uh so what Ridex does for a septic tank is when you when the honey dippers you know when you get your tank pumped and they pump out all that uh, anaerobic stuff that is kind of dead in the bottom you have to leave some of that in there to, so that you have the bacteria charge when that when the new waste comes in that bacteria then digests all that breaks it down in the solids and all so the, all the Ridex stuff does is make your pipes cleaner uh, you know, I mean, for 10 bucks a year, it it's kind of seems like even if it doesn't work, it makes me feel better, $10 worth. So you do that in, in all the drainage, uh, like sinks and toilets and showers, shower yes. drains? And, yes. And, yeah. and then how, how do you, uh, do you let it sit for a period of time or how, how do you apply it? I put it in before I go to bed because I don't want this stuff to get flushed down the toilet. So, I mean, when if I flush that down the toilet... The water leaves, but it, it, you know, the first 20 feet of that pipe, it, you know, is going to get scoured out. But where the water slows down, that's where the Ridex sits. And so then your, your pipe system is closed like a septic tank is. It does have a vent. But I typically just, I don't want that stuff to go too far. I don't want it to go to the sewer. I just want it to 
sit there in those pipes overnight. So generally before I go to bed or six o'clock, you know, if I'm going to sit down and watch TV, all I'm going to do is brush my teeth or something. You know, I'll just dump it down the sinks. And, uh, you know, if I leave for vacation, I try to remember to do that, you know, dump it in before we're going to be gone for a few days. And, you know, so the the longer the stuff sits in your pipes, the better off it is. So when you, uh, the the toilet application, when you put it in there, you don't flush the toilet to get it down in the system. You just leave it in the toilet? No, I do I do flush it because I want it down on the oh. other side of the P-trap built into that toilet. But, right. Yeah, but don't flush it a second time, third time, fourth, you know, so that's the thing where, you know, generally you get up in the ba- in the middle of the night, you, you flush the toilet. But the point being that you want it just to sit in the pipes and not really rush you know, all the way out to the street. I got you. I got you. I had... I had another suggestion offered to me that uh, the the large drain in the basement by the uh, heater and humidifier that kind of thing that big drain in the one time that backed up and and yeah. you know, uh, someone said that after that sort of cleaned out and I I don't know how they cleaned it out but they said that to prevent smells from coming up to you know pour hot water down there gallon or two and and you know kind of flush up but then after you put some water in there to put some like cooking oil or something on top so the water doesn't evaporate as quickly and that'll keep the smell down is that there any truth to that yep sure is vegetable oil just just a cupful you know just a capful You, you don't want much because it will you know the solids the hair will stick to that oil but it does indeed work Okay, so uh, that might be a a, a second uh, remedy as well, as well. Yeah, well, um, uh, in your basement, as long as you're getting water going into that drain on a regular basis, maybe from your furnace or your washer dryer or whatever is going in, it's the floor drain that doesn't have anything going to it. That's where that cup, that cap full of uh, vegetable oil is really important because that, you know, in the winter time, that that trap will. It will evaporate in, you know, two weeks, three weeks. So you can oh. get a lot of sewer gas, yeah. Okay. Well, on the on the RIDET application to the sinks and drains and toilets, how frequent would you do that? Uh, typically, when I'm not doing it, um, I do it about every two months for the first year. And then after that, it's, you know, whenever I feel like it, you know, I, once, twice a year is plenty because it's, it's uh, but on the first year i typically you know do it every month or every two months and i you know typically i uh, you know when i'm getting ready to go to bed it's like all right i'll spend five or ten minutes and i'll dump some ridex so yeah well since i had that one uh sink that had all of that uh gunk and it was a lot to clean out do i yeah. i do that with the other sinks as well or or will the ridex chemically no. kind of take care of it no, you need to clean that stuff out. You need like a bottle washer brush to scrub the inside. So you really need to clean those P-traps like you did the other ones. Where you can't get to it like a shower and a bathtub, you know, do the best you can. But pull out if you can. You know, they have those serrated things you buy at the hardware store in the plumbing department that just pulls out the gunk and the hair. So you pull that out and then dump your Red X in because the Red X really won't do anything with that hair. I so. see. Well, uh, great information. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Okay, Mark. Take care, my friend. All right. You too, sir.
All right. Take a short break here. Scott Mosby on 97.1 FM Talk and KMOX. I'll be right back after this. You're listening to The Home Improvement Show, presented by Mosby Building Arts on KMOX. Once again, here's Rich Orris. All right, back together, Scott Mosby at your service, KMOX and 97.1 FM Talk. We are simulcasting now, uh, sitting in for Rich Orris, new grandparent. Congratulations to Rich and family. Uh, happy to hear all that and uh, honored to pinch hit for Rich uh, and back at it again. Let's go right to the phone lines and talk to Lou. Hey, Lou, uh, Scott Mosby here. How can I find help you? Today? Yes, hi, Scott. How are you doing? Uh, uh, congratulations yeah. on your retirement, sir. Thank you. Thank you. But, yeah, I've been listening to you guys for, you know, well over 30 years. Since oh. the 90s, I guess it is, right? Since oh, that yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, quick question. Uh, basically, we had the house for about four years now, uh, uh-huh. and I was trying to actually look at some of the uh, – I've noticed some of the, you know, some of the cracks. I'm not real knowledgeable about this kind of stuff, but I noticed uh-huh. that the uh, there's been some mold on the walls. Um on the one side of the house, uh, I guess from moisture getting in there, but I was wondering the cracks, if that has anything to do with the attic at all, or is that just from maybe the gutters or soffits with maybe the, the you know, humidity levels there? It usually it happens worse in the summer. Yeah. How old is the house, uh, Lou? Uh, well, the house is, uh, it was built in 1925, so I'm guessing it's on 100 years old next year here, 99 years old now. Yeah, It yeah. was renovated um, four years ago before we, had actually had the house and gotten into it. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, probably the cracks that you're looking at, uh, I uh, suspect they, they, do you know if they took the old plaster down 1925, that house would have been built with plaster. Um, and then likely that, uh, that I'm not sure of. Um, yeah, I'm not sure at all. Cause we haven't looked into it, but it's, it's become an increasing problem. I guess yeah. some of those weren't there four years ago. Right, right. Well, uh, first off, um, 1925 lumber, You, uh, how, how many, is it a two-story house? It, it's a one-story bungalow that, that is okay. very small, three-bedroom. Um, it does have yeah. a basement, but it's not a okay. two-story house. Okay. Uh, I, I think you may just have plaster underneath your drywall. There's a possibility that when they renovated that house, they just put drywall over the plaster. Uh, what that means is there's, you know, three quarters of an inch of something behind that plaster. And what happens is when uh-huh. the house moves, and it does, you know, just like you and I, you know, our skin gets dry and our skin gets moist and it gets bigger and smaller and all that. I think you're experiencing some of those um changes in humidity that we just have here in the midwest but if that drywall is put on over plaster there will be much more movement you really have to secure that drywall when you're going over plaster it's fine to do but you just have to use a boatload more fasteners and really stick it to the framing you know otherwise it just rides around on the plaster and it can crack a little bit so right so it's nothing no problems in that in that sense then scott with with the uh you know, I think about that. I look at cracks, and I start thinking about foundation. You know, like stuff like Helitech works on stuff like that. 
Yeah, you would see that down in the basement so much on that. Uh, you know, it it can be, but it's unlikely. Lou, you you'd get you'd get the heebie-jeebies being down in your basement if you if it had something going on upstairs on those cracks. Now, if you look right. at your foundation cracks, if you if you go downstairs, and especially on the wall where you're seeing it, if you have cracks that are going up and down. Uh, look at the width of the cracks. If they're tight at the bottom and open at the top, that's bad. But if they're if the crack is the same width top to bottom, it's really just a shrinkage crack and not a big movement thing. But you know, really, yeah, you know, on a one-story house. Go ahead. Yeah, just a one-story. Yeah, it's just a bungalow, three-bedroom. Yeah. I I don't think that's. But a I appreciate big deal. your time. Uh, yeah, I'll take a look at that and uh, go further with that. Okay. Good luck, Lou. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye now. Uh, next up, let's talk to my friend Mike. Hey, Mike, good afternoon. Welcome. How can I help? Hey, Scott. Happy retirement. Man, that was a short one. one Wasn't week, it, brother? Listen. Poof. Yeah, it was. <laughs> hey, quick question. I went over to help an uh, elderly friend uh, just put an overfill. Her overfill tube was coming out of the toilet. And then when I got over there and took care of that, when it was real cold last week, she flushed the toilet and said, listen to this. And when she flushed it, you could hear gurgling through the vent or whatever. And is this something that can happen when it's frozen? And I, I, like the next day, it kind of went away. So yeah. would, would do, how do vent pipes get frozen, condensate or snow? And, and then um, it, I guess I could hear it coming out of a, a tub that she very rarely yeah. uses. But I just ran hot water and everything, hoping that get some hot water moving through the vent. And the next day, she said it was fine. But I was just wondering what, what, what occurs with that. And I'll, I'll listen to you. Well, Mike, you generally just have some sort of a blockage in the vent, whatever's in there, maybe a critter or a mouse or a leaf or something. You've got moisture going out of there all the time. The top half of that vent is really cold. It goes through the attic. It opens up to the environment. So, you know, once that pipe goes past the ceiling line into the attic, it gets really cold and you can get frost. You know, so if you have a leaf crossways in a vent, you can block enough flow with some frozen humidity in one of those pipes, you can get the gurgling. So I would clean off, clean out your vents from the roof down if you can. That's a little bit of a professional thing, but uh, I think you're having some sort of a blockage in your uh, ventilating pipe. Okay, and she said she, did, you know, she had never heard it before this yeah. when it got real cold, and then, like I said, the next day or two, and now it's fine. So, but we'll we'll go ahead and do that. And I was just wondering. You know, if it's something that commonly happens with uh, with the cold weather and, like you said, the frozen on, on those vent pipes. Because I noticed her vent pipe sticks out real short. It's an older house than, say, yeah. mine, which is a newer house. Yeah, it, it can. Okay. It can be problematic because it, you get a little snowfall, a little bit of ice in there, you know, and it, it can get more plugged even though it's not fully pl- blocked. All right. Thanks. Uh, gosh, I'm running out of time. Uh, my apologies, uh, uh, Ed. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to have enough time to get uh, on this. Uh, house wrap is a good product. I like to see people use it. it. They have to be installed very responsibly around the windows and the doors. So the w- details for putting windows and doors in house wrap is very important. Uh, if you're putting an insulated sheathing over the exterior of your house, you have to be careful. Maybe not use the house wrap uh, because it, the whole wall has to be treated as one system. Anyway, uh, folks, uh, congratulations to Rich or- Oris. Scott Mosby here signing off, and uh, see you next time Rich is away.